Welcome to the Open Source Way. This is SAP's podcast series in which we'll talk about the difference that open source can make. In each episode, we'll talk to a different expert and we'll talk to them about why they do it the open source way. I'm your host, Carsten Hoage, and in this episode, I will be talking to Peter Giese from the SAP Open Source Program Office. We will listen why open source is important, especially in a global enterprise, why it's a triple win situation, and what an open source program office actually does. Uh, Peter Giese was working uh, as the head of central architecture team before he focused on open source mainly. Before SAP, he has worked as a researcher for the Fraunhofer Institute, and now he has been leading the open source program office at SAP since 2018. The company itself, he joined in 1996 already. That's 24 years at SAP. Welcome, Peter. Welcome. Good morning. Wow, 24 years sounds like an awful lot of time. But at SAP, it's always changing and always exciting to work on new projects. Yeah, and it's uh, especially in this interesting time right now, I am personally very happy again that I'm working for SAP, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are at SAP really in a fortunate, fortunate situation. Our business is more or less uh, completely digital, so we can continue to run our business and to develop our software to serve our customers without uh, more or less any disruption or interruption. And this is, of course, not the case for a lot of other industries. So we are really in a fortunate position. And um, yeah, working from home is also something that we are used to video conferencing that works fine. Um, but of course, we also have our challenges like everybody else when it comes to homeschooling of children, or we have some new employees who joins the company and our team during the lockdown period. And for them, of course, it's much harder to establish their network and get into the company just on a remote working basis. So you are still working remote from your home office, Peter, is that right? Yes, I am. We have gotten some publicity or some press at least uh, for the Corona warning app uh, that we were a part of. Um, is that something where SAP, I don't know, kind of uh, got out of the closet as an open source player, really? Definitely. I think, of course, we are engaged in open source already for a long time, actually since 1998, when we started to port our R3 system to Linux, which helped a lot in establishing Linux uh, in the enterprise to get it enterprise ready and accepted in the enterprise. But uh, a lot of um, people, the general public, was not really aware of SAP's open source engagement and especially not in the consumer space. And with this Corona One up, which is now installed on or downloaded more than 18 million times in Germany. Um, of course, somehow we appeared on the radar screen of a lot of new people who were not really in touch or interested in SAP before. And uh, that was a great opportunity. And of course, we did not do this alone. We did it together with the German Telekom, with the Robert Koch Institute, with the Fraunhofer Institute and others. And um, it was really great for everybody working on this project. And the project, by the way, is still going on. Um, yeah, to be able to help maybe a little bit in mitigating this crisis and fighting so, the virus. So, so what you're saying is uh, now SAP has become visible, but even though we're a proprietary software, 
vendor usually, and for that the world knows us. Uh, we've already SAP has had a part in open source for long already. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned, in 1998, it all started. In 2004, for instance, we have been a founding member of the Eclipse Foundation. We donated uh, some of our projects to Eclipse and we used the Eclipse IDE also as our main IDE at that time. And yeah, if you think about it, 2004, that was the time when Facebook was created, right? So we are really uh, a long time in open source business. Well, it's like when you just said 2004 is the time when Facebook was created. I mean, I'm also old enough that 2004 doesn't seem to be that long ago. <laughs> But when I think about it, okay, that's 16 years. Uh, so we've been a player for, what, 22 years in, uh, in open source, at least. You just mentioned 1998, right? Yeah, and 1998, by the way, was also the year when the term open source was officially coined. Wow. Uh, the concept of free software was existing before. But so to say, from the year onwards, when the term was coined, we were also with SAP uh, continuously engaged in consuming open source, but also... Was that, was that only the term was coined or the principle was defined in 1998? I mean, uh, I, I remember was there was free term. software and shareware before and everything. Exactly. So free software, the idea and, and was already there before. If you think about the history of Unix, um, uh, that that was uh, already um, working in, in large parts to, at least on the university side, to open source principles. But yeah, the term and, and the, the way the license, open source licenses are treated, that started more. Okay, okay. And... Uh, We, as a as a proprietary vendor, as I said before, we of course have special considerations when we deal with a concept like open source. Is are these considerations the main reason why we need an open source program office, or why does one need an open source program office? Yeah, okay, you, you, somehow you raised now two questions. Um, why is SAP uh, that is known more for its proprietary software products an open source player? That would be the one question. And the other is why do we need an open source program office, right? It's, it's um, actually so more about the differences uh, of processes to, to like the, the proprietary and open source and how that leads to needing an open source program office. Yeah, maybe I start with um, with the proprietary versus open source question. Yeah. So okay. um, SAP is, of course, selling business software, um, but we are not doing this in a vacuum. We are running on, on runtime stacks. And for instance, now that we are a cloud company, we use a cloud native stack, which has normally Linux as the operating system below. Then we have something like Kubernetes container management on top, and we even have our own um, Kubernetes cluster management solution with our open source project Gardener. Then on top, you have things like pass platforms, Cloud Foundry, or Knative, especially now. And we also have our own uh, contribution to that with our um, Kima project. And then uh, on top, you have like um, application programming frameworks, UI frameworks, where we also have, for instance, Luigi and Fundamentals as open source projects, which we published. Um, so even though our business solutions are proprietary, they are based on a lot of open source and we are also contributing to open source on the lower layers because um, yeah, it's much better to collaborate with the community and to share the development load for world-class solutions on that space than doing everything 
on our own. And that leads me also to the question, why does SAP or other companies need an open source program office? Somehow the usage of open source is growing exponentially. If you, um, for instance, SAP, the number of open source components that we are using in our software has more or less doubled from the year 2018 to the year 2019. And such a dramatic growth also somehow requires that um, you reduce manual steps, for instance, when it comes to license or security scanning. And that means somehow that you have to automate more of the um, open source management tasks that you are doing. If you consume um, a lot of open source components, then we also want to contribute bug fix to these components or features that we are requiring. We want to contribute to the open source community. That also means that our open source contribution, so-called outbound processes, have to be streamlined and should be simple and not too bureaucratic. And um, in the end, as you said, we are also developing proprietary software, but still also for those developments, we can benefit from open source principles just applying them in-house uh, so that different teams at SAP can contribute um, also to our proprietary projects in-house in an open source fashion. This is what is called inner source. And um, for instance, one of the three major tasks of the open source program office at SAP is to support the inner source movement and to educate teams about it to help them to grow and nurture inner source at SAP. So like as a short summary, basically the program office defines process or first records needs defines processes and then uh, supports in the execution of the processes it's not so much dealing with the technology itself right yeah in the end the open source is a uh, open source program office is about managing open source in the enterprise okay and that comes in three flavors that comes um, for our contributions to open source that's what we call outbound open source that um, regards uh, consumption of open source. That's what, what we call inbound open source. And that's about applying open source methodologies also for our proprietary in-house development. That's what we call inner source. And in the past, when companies started to work on these three areas of open source, it was a lot about risk management. And mm -hmm. that's why, if we are honest, it was a little bit about policing. If people wanted to use an open source component, they had to fill out a lengthy a document and then they needed approvals from different instances or if they wanted to contribute to open source they had they needed approvals as well um, a certain level of approvals is still required today but the change that the OSPO did was we wanted to turn the whole thing from policing our developers to supporting our developers yeah. and now um, it's much more about empowering them giving them guidelines of what they have to um, consider if they want to consume open source or contribute to open source, but less about um, lengthy approval processes. So we yep. have very much streamlined all the processes instead of weeks. Normally now only or months, it only takes days or weeks to uh, get, for instance, approval to publish a project as open source. And instead we see so, us in OSPO more as a supporting entity where we try to coach them, to give consulting, to help them in uh, reaching mm -hmm. their goals uh, by using or by contributing to open source. No, no, that, that was a lot about uh, SAP developers contributing to open source uh, projects um, in the open source program office. It's also your job the, uh, the other way around, right? Uh, defining the processes for the usage of open source, or is that somewhere different? 
Yeah, that's that's what I call it inbound open source. That's okay, the okay, of okay. Open now only because you you talked about the processes uh, for the outbound uh, pretty much now, um, and I seem to remember there is often equally much legal and process considerations when it comes to using open source due to heterogeneous license models and so on, right? Absolutely. Most of the companies even start on the consumption side. Uh, so their first endeavors with open source are normally of the form that they are using some open source components to build their own solutions. And um, whenever you use open source software, then you have to make sure that you are compliant to the according open source licenses. So that's all the topic about license compliance. You have to make sure that the open source components you are using are not containing known vulnerabilities. Um, that's why you're doing security scans. And that's, that's the topic of security. And also, of course, you have to be able to operate those open source components as part of your solution. And um, yeah, those three areas are also typical tasks of OSPO to um, yeah. automate as much as possible um, of that and to also provide guidelines for, for how to do that. There was just a question forming in my mind that is uh, because we talked about processes and defining processes and uh, but also uh, about technical aspects. The question that formed in my mind was as uh, the head of the open source program office, do you have more interactions with management and the legal department or more interactions with actual developers? Yeah, that's, that's actually a very good question. And I would say it depends a little bit on where you are uh, within the life cycle of your open source program office. When you establish a new open source program office, and typically um, you are dealing with the basic tasks of managing open source, and that may, means managing the consumption for that you need processes and tools for license scanning, for security scanning, and things like that. And um, also, for contributing to open source, you need guidelines. Uh, probably there are some kind of approval form for um, new outbound projects. And that's where, of course, you are more interacting probably with, with management, with legal teams, um, with tools teams. And then once you have done your basic homework of this phase one of an OSPO, so to say, then uh, normally you start much more in, um, yeah, contributing to open source, starting your own open source projects. And once a company is doing that, then of course, the whole companies uh, with, with these open outbound open source projects is more engaged with the communities and with development. And also the OSPO then normally is more engaged um, with, with the developers driving these open source projects and contributions and with the calling communities. And of course, the obvious follow-up question is, uh, which phase are we in at SAP? Um, yeah, as always in life, there are iterations. So the whole open source um, management is more or less a, a task of continuous improvement. So also on the tooling and process side, we try to continuously simplify things to improve them, to improve the degree of automation. But I think we are also very much in phase two. Uh, so actually in 2019, according to the Open Source Contributor Index, SAP was the ninth largest commercial contributor to open source and GitHub worldwide, which, which I think uh, is a significant sign of our contribution level. That sounds a lot higher in the ranks than most people would probably put us by the sheer name SAP, right? 
yeah, absolutely. Uh, the To Do Group, which is a, a group inside of the Linux Foundation, where um, open source program offices are collaborating. Also, we from SAP are collaborating. They they did a, they did a survey in I think 2019, where they asked like 2,700 companies how they perceive different open source players. Uh, as good open source citizens or not. And there was also a question about how SAP is perceived. And if I remember correctly, more than 50 or around about 50% of the uh, respondents uh, said they were not um, aware of the fact that SAP is engaged in open source at all. Wow. Which is a stark contrast to, to our being ninth rank nine of contributors exactly yeah yeah can, can you just name can you just name some example who is uh, who's on, on on places one to eight uh, I, I don't have the complete ranking order in my head but i think on the top you have definitely google and microsoft okay um red hat probably um facebook i think is this so, like, basically, that's as expected. The, the the unexpected thing comes on rank nine when all of a sudden you have, wow, SAP. <laughs> yeah, you could say so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And is that uh, basically what we just talked about? Uh, would that already define why one needs or why one should have an open source program office? Basically, you need definition of processes and then support of processes? Or what else would you add to the role of and the importance of an open source program office? Yeah, indeed. Uh, on, on the one side, with, with our simplified um, contribution processes, I think we have uh, supported our developers that they have an easier time to contribute to open source. And that's why we see us uh, climbing the ranks. Uh, uh, I think right now for the last month, there's also a monthly ranking. We have been even on place number eight, so to say. Uh, but uh, I don't want to talk about these places. It's not about the ranking. Um, but it also shows, and that is also part of our OSPO mission, that we have to do a better job in communicating about what we do in open source to our customers, to the open source communities, so that they know about it. And, and of course, we want to invite them to also collaborate with us uh, on our open source project. So, so that's an additional role. You also take care of um, rolling out SAP's um, open source activities and make them known. Exactly. And so right? you could call this open source communication. And the podcast series that the two of us are just starting with this very first episode, which I'm very excited about, that is, so to say, also part of our um, endeavor to try to better communicate uh, about what we do in open source absolutely are, did, did you just between the, did you just between the lines say stop asking me stupid question of course we're rolling it out because we're making this podcast here peter <laughs> no no i didn't i just wanted to explain it to the audience uh, maybe in case they wonder why the heck is sap now starting a podcast series just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe uh, so we can we can get to even more detail now we added to the process definition and the process support we added the rollout um how is the open source program office internally organized what kind of people can i find there that will do what for me or that will ask what of me yeah um indeed that's an interesting question we are organized as a virtual team consisting of mainly 10 other sap teams which are spread across different board areas 
And I think that's also important. Yeah? You need to close cooperation with colleagues from legal, with colleagues from licensing, with colleagues from global IP, with colleagues from tooling, security. Um, so we need these um, diverse teams and the diverse backgrounds of everybody. That's why we have chosen this form of a virtual team. And then I'm leading the OSPO core team, we call it. That's just a team of seven colleagues. And we try to kind of orchestrate uh, the other 10 teams. And the working mode that we have chosen is close to what most of our development teams at SAP are doing. So we, we are working in scrum mode with four-week sprints. That means we have a backlog where we collect all the topics that we want to work on and that we want to improve in the company. So we have several hundred items on our backlog. And of course, at any point in time, you can only work on a certain number of these points. That's why we have planning meetings every four weeks where we um, look at the highest prioritized backlog items and decide which of, when, uh, which of them we want to tackle within the next four weeks in our um, cross scrum teams. And then after the four weeks, we do a review meeting to see um, what we have achieved and to start the next planning round for the next four weeks cycle. So that is very close to what our development teams are doing as well. And then we have organized ourselves into uh, six yeah, work streams. One is on processes, one is on tools, one is on strategy, one is on policy. Um, and one is on communication and one is on training. And, and uh, in that way, we also have like six uh, cross-functional scrum teams working on these recording points. And these are all virtual, put together from different teams, always only with a representative from the program office um, in the project? Or how do I Yeah, we try to, yeah. of course, uh, we put more or less 100% of our time into the different mm -hmm. work streams um, because that's our main mission. Some of the other teams are not only working on open source topics, for instance, in legal. Of course, they are also working on a lot of other topics. That's why they cannot put all their forces just only into the open source topic. Um, but yeah, so every team contributes as much as they can. And um, okay. that also varies over the year depending on the workload they, they might have for other tasks. And I mean, sometimes that's difficult with virtual teams where not everyone is in the same line. Does that largely work nicely? Or do you have an example of uh, where that works the very best and where it could work better possibly? Yeah, in general, it works pretty well. But of course, sometimes teams have other obligations or, or they might, might have uh, higher priorities. And then it's also sometimes a challenge, of course. But I think it always works very nice when we need cross-collaboration with different expertise to um, to reach uh, a goal. For instance, right now we are working on a new version of the SAP open source policy, which is binding then company-wide for every employee, every developer, and um, to, to work on such a policy, which also then has to be approved by the SAP executive board, by the different um, social partners in the countries and the different development departments. It really helps to have a cross-functional team with experts from licensing, from IP, from legal, from open source, from development. But that policy now is something, uh, that's an example of everyone has a vital interest in that. And so it works pretty well, well even in the, in the virtual setup, right? 
Ja, yeah, it's not finished yet, but so far. Oh, okay, not okay. So okay. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of like 360-degree policy, or is that for contribution or for use of inbound, outbound? It covers both? consumption and contribution. Yeah. Okay, so 360-degree open source policy on the yes. Okay, that could take longer than three days sometimes. And of course, all major companies have such a policy. We also have one, but it has to be updated and uh, from time to time. And for instance, um, if you want to get an open chain certification, then uh, such a policy is, for instance, one of the requirements. And um, it's, of course, also the task of OSPO to work on these things. Um, open chain certification, basically um, documents that you are in compliance with um, correct consumption of open source when it comes to licenses. And um, yeah, that's, for instance, also a task of an OSPO to do the self-certification for open chain so that um, if we supply software to somebody else, they can rely on the fact that um, we are 100% compliant to all the licenses that are included in our bill of material uh, for open source components. Sounds important, especially for, as I said, and as we know, a usually proprietary vendor of software where there is uh, probably a, a larger damage when we do not comply to such things, right? Yeah, that would be in general, of course, a bad thing to not comply. And especially in, in industries like in the car industry, where they have of suppliers and basically every intelligent part nowadays contains also software and they deliver the whole car to their customers. For them, of course, it's important that not only the software that BMW has written themselves, but also all the software parts that they got from their suppliers are fully are, are you saying that like even in my car there are open source components oh absolutely if you, um, in open source we have the so-called legal notices so if somebody uses an open source component they have to give credit to the author so to mm -hmm. say and to document that fact and in some of the um books that come with your bmw or your daimler um, you will find such a list and it's lengthy, really lengthy. Okay, okay. That's like because Linux is used as an operating system or all kinds of different things? All kinds of different things. Even on your iPhone, uh, somewhere if you go to general and then this legal stuff, you find all the legal notices. And if you print it out, I think it's a PDF document of, I don't know, 150 pages or something, something like that. Wow. Okay, okay. So... That would then be the things that the open source program office at uh, Apple uh, had to take care of, uh, among other things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is, is that one of the things, like one of the very dry day-to-day -day tasks, put together the list of uh, used open source components? Is that would is is the open source program office involved in that, or is that uh, job of the development department? Yeah, at SAP, for every software that we build and deliver to our customers, of course, we have a bill of material describing yeah. what yeah. Um, parts the software consists of. And that contains our own written parts that might contain um, commercial software that we have licensed uh, from third parties. And that also um, contains the open source components. And of course, the job of the OSPO is to make sure that um, the open source components are correctly listed in our bill of material, um, that the licenses are uh, conformant to what we at SAP are allowing um, as licenses. So we are not allowing uh, to use arbitrary components with some arbitrary types of licenses. 
and um, software licenses or open source software licenses also come with obligations sometimes. Um, so if you use an open source component, you might have the obligation, for instance, to provide the source code on request to the people you deliver your software to. And yep. these kind of obligations, um, of course, SAP has to make sure that we adhere to all of them. These are typical tasks of an OSPO to um, ensure that and to create the according tooling to ideally automate it or at least to create guidelines that it's um, and integrate integrate the open source specific tooling then with uh, the inherited tools that development has anyway to maintain their components that they use right absolutely in an sap case we use a proprietary tool called bpms to yeah. for our software bill of material and we have to integrate our software scanning tools for instance with that to automatically um Includes the uh, open source components in our bill of material. Actually, I knew, of course. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've worked with that in product in, in my product management times with PPMS, and I think even with some uh, some open source components, uh, like 15 years back or something, uh, with some of the HANA predecessors. Um, what else do I want to ask you, Peter? Uh, we actually talked quite a bit about SAP's perception as an open source player out there already. Um, is there anything, are we are we like uh, focusing a little stronger on uh, being part of uh, open source events than we did in the past? I think that was a little difficult when I think like uh, five, 10 years back. Uh, are we putting some more emphasis on that? Yeah, as part of our communication plan, we from the SAP OSPO try to be um, uh, to participate in open source events more than we did in the past. Mm -hmm. um, of course, if we do so, then normally we participate in the OSPO-related tracks of these events and talk about best practices or tooling. But we also encourage our development teams and our open source projects, like the colleagues from our Kima project or Gardener project or OpenJDK project or Luigi or Fundamentals, uh, whatever you name it, um, that ideally they, they also present at open source conferences. What, like, what, what's, uh, what's the most perceived of these projects these days anyway? You mean in the sense of most popular? Most popular, most uh, non-SAP contributions. I don't know, there are probably different indicators by which one could meter that or just yeah, exactly. that. it always depends a little bit how you look at it yeah. so we have a known implementation of open jdk which we call submachine and uh, in certain releases of open jdk we have been the second largest contributor behind oracle for instance um, so in in such communities this uh, is probably known um, on the kubernetes side we have the gardener project for managing kubernetes clusters uh, large scale um, that is probably known quite well in that community. Um, yeah, so, but maybe that's also a little bit an explanation of why SAP is not so well known yet for open source in comparison to some other companies. Um, normally, we are not developing applications for the consumer space, right? And that's mm -hmm. why we don't have uh, open source projects on SAP which are very 
popular with with normal end users or consumers, so to say. Yeah. And and that is maybe one explanation why um, why we are not so well known as well. Be, because for, we're always hidden. I mean, it's kind of like when I asked you, do you mean there is actually open source in my car? It's not like I noticed firsthand that there is open source in my car. I'd have to look at the, into the disclaimers or the uh, whatever booklet you just said before. Yeah, so, exactly. Like, or if you take yeah. the example of Kubernetes, a lot of people maybe know Kubernetes for container management, but who really has the challenge to spin up 50,000 Kubernetes cluster, clusters, right? That's only a handful of companies who require such technology. And that's what we do with our Gardener project. But of course, yeah. then uh, the target group for, for such tasks is a little bit uh, limited, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think about most of the specific projects that you named now, Gardner, Kima, also the Corona app, we will probably hear in uh, future episodes of this podcast. I hope so, at least. Unless yeah, the, the open source program office says, no, you're not allowed to talk about this uh, in the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I don't think you will. Um, why... Why does open source pay off for a company like SAP? If it's done right, I say it, it would. I would say it's not only paying off for SAP, but it could pay off for every company. Mm -hmm. um, of course, uh, the trick is always to find the right mix. And if I would generalize, I would say um, most companies would probably not um, share with the public the parts of their solutions that are core to their solutions as open source, but they more share what is not mission critical for themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so at SAP, for instance, we are not in the business of selling uh, cloud infrastructure solutions or, or of selling uh, Kubernetes as a service or so. And um, we are in the business of creating um, intelligent enterprise end-to-end -end business processes. That's what we sell. And of course, it makes sense for us to share what we do on the lower layers of the technology stack. Um, so um, we benefit on the one side from the community, from the works they do, for instance, on Kubernetes. And um, we also give back to the community what we do, for instance, on the cluster management side or on the schema side with respect to integration of different um, systems um, and, and providing something like function as a service with Knative. And um, yeah, that way, um, I think for every company, they have to find, of course, their own their own way of um, how to combine their commercial interests with uh, with open source. There are companies like Red Hat, uh, which are completely open source, so everything they do is open source. They have found a different way, but uh, there are not too many companies doing that. Oftentimes, companies are running open source in the cloud as a managed service, and then so they don't sell the uh, license to to run your software locally, but they basically sell a subscription to their service. Yeah? And then open source is a nice way of building it and getting contributions from others. And some companies have a model that they run uh, their project as open source, but they have some special features which are especially relevant for enterprises. And those are sometimes not open source. And then they sell these enterprise versions of their software uh, to enterprise customers, that's that's a different way. But yeah, as I said, for SAP, um, I think it makes a lot of sense for us to 
to um, work on open source whenever it's not really core to our uh, core business. And um, we have also a long tradition of co-innovation with our customers and partners. I mean, if you really think about it, uh, with, with our R3 system, the ABAP source code was not open source, but it was always visible uh, to our customers and partners. And they had the chance to read it, understand it, modify it, build extensions. Um, that was not open source, but it was shared source. And that's why yeah. I would say SAP has a long tradition in working in such a mode where we can co-innovate with our... It always um, had one of the characteristics that also open source has, right? That's one of the uh, uh, things which make open source success successful, yeah. that you can look yeah. at the code, refi it, extend it. And um, even though we did it under, under a different license, I think, um, yeah, we have a long tradition in, in doing so. And, and we have really learned that this is the right way to cooperate with your customers and partners. So and if I got you right, you basically named all three sites that you say have a benefit, that's SAP ourselves, that's the community, and that's the customers and partners who benefit from the, have always benefited from the shared or the, the shared code and now are benefiting even from other effects of open source software. So it's a triple win, basically? Yeah, maybe, maybe um, of course, there, is, there are also the developers as a group, um, okay. which we can talk a little bit about and also if you talk about customers and partners if you look at it from their point of view and then of course every customer would like to avoid a vendor login they also have to hire developers to build what is specific for their solution or to build extensions um, and um, for them if a solution is in large parts based on open source then they have a chance to get support for those open source parts, not only from the direct vendor, but also from other sites, from other vendors, from the community. Um, if large parts are built on open source, then they have a better chance to attract developer talents to their own company, because normally if people come from the university or from, from somewhere else, they prefer to work on open source. The knowledge that they build up on open source is independent of a single company. company. So a developer with open source can kind of also avoid a company login, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's not acquiring proprietary knowledge, but knowledge that is of general validity also in other companies. And um, yeah, that's one of the advantages that developers have. And of course, open source also um, allows developers to work with world-class expert on specific topics. Yeah? If you take the topic of uh, Kubernetes cluster management, then our developers are able to work with the specialists worldwide on the topic because we do it as open source in the open. Yeah. And that is, of course, um, also raising the, the engineering level on all sites because there's a constant exchange of best practices and of world-class experts. And, and is, that, is that really pretty open? Is it really a each-one-teach-one attitude? Or is there still some, I don't know, this is mine and this is yours thing in these kind of projects like Kima, for instance. I mean, is the fact that we publish the source code uh, first of all means, of course, everybody has a chance to look at it and read it. That's why it's very democratic. And when whenever somebody has an idea that something should be done better, he is free to create a pull request. And then we have the concept of peer review, right? There will be reviews by others. And... Um, that way, with the pull requests and the peer reviews, um, 
normally I would say it's like Darwinism, the best solution uh, wins. Sometimes there might be a little bit of politics or egos involved, of course, it's all human beings. But in general, I think that's the most successful model of um, coming to the best and most technically sound solutions. The, the, the last part was what I was getting at. It's more on, on, the, on the not so much on the organizational side, but on the individual people side. Uh, do you feel that this is really a very cooperative environment that open source is creating? Does that like also by emotionally, does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, for most of the developers that have started working on open source, they never come back, so to say. Okay. Once, okay. once they started, um, they do it. Sometimes because of egos or politics, they might leave a certain project because they might be frustrated with uh, how things are handled in a specific project. But yeah. the general concept normally Once people are infected with that open source virus, okay. uh, they never come, they never turn back, so to say. Sorry, it always seemed like that to me, but I don't hang around open source forums too much. So that's that's why I kind of wanted to find out. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also not the authority to, do, to, to generalize here, but uh, that's at least my personal impression. Okay. And if you look at major areas of technology like machine learning, Or, or the cloud native computing, the whole stack, uh, IoT, blockchain, cryptocurrencies, basically all these topics are, I would say, to 99% driven by open source yeah. nowadays. Yeah, so speaks for a, sing a single yeah. company, even the company on the size of Microsoft or Google has a hard time uh, nowadays to come up with better proprietary solutions than the, the worldwide open source community. Okay, sounds cool. Um, when I just said sounds cool, let's maybe get to the key takeaways of the day that we have. I think we talked about most things that we can talk about around the open source program office, or is there any field, any topic uh, that you actively want to share, Peter? Yeah, I would say um, if you take one thing away about the open source program office from this podcast, then I would say the SAP open source program office is here to nurture, grow and support on the open source side uh, instead of policing. So internally and externally, whenever you have an inquiry or you need help for open source related to SAP, please uh, approach us. And um, yeah, I think we, we definitely want to enter the next phase of um, having more interactions with the worldwide open source community, even more than in the past. And um, we invite everybody to also have a look at our open source uh, open source projects and to contribute to them. Um, that's basically what I would like people to take away from, from this. Uh, you have already said uh, your key takeaway is uh, to take away that the open source program office is there to help you externally and internally uh, in all means that we have talked about. Um, so, Peter, if unless there is anything else to say, I want to say thank you for being here today. It was great talking to you. 
thank you everyone uh, for listening in. I hope you will do so again. If you learned about this podcast uh, through OpenSAP, then be aware that this is a regular podcast that you can also find uh, in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, whatsoever, what your usual way of accessing podcasts is. Uh, so it's not only accessible through the OpenSAP pages. If you enjoyed this session, please tell everyone, uh, share the link, subscribe to the podcast. Hope to listen to you again. Thank you again, Peter. And we'll hear again in two weeks from now. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.